good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. As always, thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for your kind words. I hope to continue earning that praise you give me. And to my man Murph, thank you so much for the great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio, as well as being part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. And to all my silver and black brothers and sisters around the world, I am so proud to bring you stories of the people and moments that help make our Raiders history so glorious. All right, Raider Nation, let's get going on our time together with this episode of Silver and Black Flashback, in which the life of one of the hardest hitters in professional football history is looked at. In fact, the reputation of this Raider great's ability to deliver fierce hits did not only start when he became a Raider. In fact, One time, while in high school, he knocked out two opposing quarterbacks in one game. And in his time on the college level, legendary Ohio State coach Woody Hayes once said that he hit so hard that his blasts knocked opponents right off their feet. These stories, plus countless others, gave this bone-jarring human torpedo the nickname of the Assassin. John David Tatum was born on November 18th 1948, in Krauss, North Carolina. According to his autobiography, They Call Me Assassin. However, in Raider media guides during his playing days, his birthplace was listed as Cherryville, North Carolina. His father was a welder and his mother a domestic worker. His father had a good job as a welder, and the Tatum house always had the smell of good food cooking on the stove. And some of Jack's earliest memories were filled with contentment in the peaceful Carolina countryside, and his imagination allowed him to go on incredible journeys while listening to his grandfather talk. Some of the family's relatives left the South and really liked settling in New Jersey. They told Jack's parents that there were plenty of good-paying jobs in Jersey and that the school systems were better as well. After discussing moving to New Jersey, the discussion turned to reality when Jack was in the second grade. And so, Mr. and Mrs. Tatum packed up their three sons and two daughters, and he was off to New Jersey to start a new life. After moving to a few different locations in Jersey, the family settled in Passaic, and it was there that the football legend known as Jack Tatum began. Growing up in a tough neighborhood, Tatum rose above all the other children early on as he was the fastest and hardest hitter, and when he tackled someone, even kids older than him complained about how hard he hit. He also avoided getting into trouble, like so many of his friends, whether it was through criminal activity or drug abuse. Instead, Jack focused on making a better life for himself and his parents. In the classroom, he got good grades, and on the football field, well, he was amazing. After transferring from Eastside High School following his freshman year to Passaic High School, he was ready to showcase his talents starting in his sophomore season under head coach John Federici. And it did not take Federici long to know about the talent he had in Tatum. Following Tatum's first game as a Passaic Indian, the coach, while watching game films, broke down Jack's performance in a 14-0 win. 
He said that Jack had the best lateral movement of anyone he ever saw since he started coaching and felt right at that moment that Tatum was going to be a professional football player someday. Now that someday was still a few years off, but in the meantime, Tatum, playing fullback and linebacker, helped Passaic earn a 24-2-1 record during his three varsity seasons there. Like at any high school, there are fierce rivalries, and Passaic's was Rutherford. Their rivalry was the second oldest one in New Jersey history, and their matchups on Thanksgiving Day were highlights of the sports year. During Jack's three matchups with Rutherford, he never lost. Following a 27-0 victory over Rutherford in Jack's sophomore year of 1964, the Indians were a perfect 9-0 and named co-champions of the state. The following year, Passaic went 8-1, and in Tatum's senior year of 1966, the Indians finished at 7-1-1, and he ran for 1,421 yards from his fullback position, and while playing linebacker, he totaled 187 tackles. That's right, folks, 187 tackles. Needless to say, Jack received many honors following his incredible 1966 season, including being selected to both the All-State and the High School All-America teams. In 2008, Passaic High School retired Tatum's number 32, making him just the third player from that school to receive such an honor. It was no surprise to say that college recruiters were very busy trying to sign Tatum to their programs. However, his mind was made up on going to Syracuse and following the footsteps of great running backs Jim Brown and Ernie Davis that came before him. That was until Woody Hayes from Ohio State University came to the Tatum house. Hayes spent 10 minutes talking to Jack and over two hours talking to his mother. And Raider Nation, guess who won out? Mrs. Tatum was sold on Ohio State for her son, and he was then off to Columbus for the 18-year-old superstar. At first, Woody Hayes recruited Jack as a running back, but one of his assistant coaches, Lou Holtz, who went on to greatness of his own as a college coach within a few years, convinced Hayes to move Jack over to defensive back and also use him as a linebacker. The decision was an excellent one. As a three-year starter for Ohio State, Tatum helped the Buckeyes compile an almost perfect 27-2 record. They were Big Ten champions in 1968 and 1970, co-champions with Michigan in 1969, and they were also crowned national champions in 1968. Tatum was named All-Big Ten three times, All-America twice, and was selected as the 1970 National Defensive Player of the Year as a senior at Ohio State. After all that success, Tatum was more than ready for the next level of competition, just like his high school coach envisioned for him six years earlier. And before going off to the professional ranks, Tatum's combined record as a high school and college player was a mind-blowing 51-4-1. and In an attempt to replace a retired David Grayson following the 1970 campaign, the Raiders used their first-round draft pick in 1971 to select Tatum. Upon his arrival at the Oakland training camp, the coaching staff informed Tatum that the safety position would be his as long as no one else could beat him out for it. And for nine seasons in a Raider uniform, no one ever did. With Tatum's hitting ability, it was quickly understood that he would not relinquish the opportunity given to him. He easily became a starting safety in one of the greatest defensive backfields ever assembled. Along with Willie Brown, George Atkinson, and Skip Thomas, Tatum made up the sole patrol 
a quartet of devastation that haunted and tormented opposing receivers and ball carriers during their time together in the mid to late 1970s. Through weight training, Tatum built up his 5-foot, 10-inch, 205-pound frame into a solid weapon of destruction. Along with his physical strength, he also possessed blazing speed, being clocked at 10 seconds flat in the 100-yard dash. His bone-jarring hits started in his powerful legs, moved up through his back, and finally ended in his solid upper body. And once loaded up, he was ready to unleash a hit. He was paid by the Raiders to hit hard, and that reputation gave Tatum a sense of pride. He was excellent at his job and possessed the mental aspect of the game along with physical skills. One time, in a game against the Houston Oilers, Tatum hit massive fullback Earl Campbell so hard that it rocked Campbell's knees and shook him as he tumbled to the ground. Now, not many people can lay claim to doing that to the league's premier power back of that time because Big Earl was used to dishing out punishment and usually left defenses battered and bruised. Jack Tatum just let his tackling ability do the talking for him. He would just rattle a ball carrier's bones and then quietly return to the huddle to await another chance at hitting someone. Now, he might have been known as the assassin on the football field, but in the locker room, despite the havoc he created on the opposition, Tatum was a total opposite off the field. He possessed a very laid-back personality, had a quiet and confident demeanor, was very well-spoken, and looked at as being a very good person. So good, in fact, that his teammates called him the Reverend. But let's return to the on-the-field portion of his professional life. Jack Tatum's impact was felt from the very first game in which he wore his silver and black uniform in 1971. By the end of that first season, the rest of the league respected and feared him as well. He earned selection onto the all-rookie team and was runner-up for the NFL's Rookie of the Year award. In 1972, Tatum set an NFL record against the Green Bay Packers by returning a fumble recovery 104 yards. He also led the Raiders with four interceptions and once again in 1977 with six. As the decade of the 1970s rolled along, so did Jack Tatum as he reaped numerous accolades. All pro honors came his way from 1973 through 1975. The Sporting News selected him to their all-star team from 1975 through 1977. And he was a Pro Bowl selection in 1973, 1974, and 1976, the year in which the Raiders won Super Bowl XI and a game that Tatum delivered one of his blasts on Minnesota Vikings receiver Sammy White, causing the receiver to lose his helmet and lay on the ground in a daze. Jack Tatum was involved in many fierce collisions. But there was one that occurred on August 12, 1978, during an exhibition game that became the most infamous hit in professional football history. In that game against the New England Patriots, wide receiver Darrell Stingley collided with Tatum as the receiver jumped up for a pass on an inside slant route. It was then that Stingley lowered his helmet to protect himself and he hit Tatum's shoulder pad. The impact severely damaged Stingley's spinal cord and left him paralyzed for the rest of his life. It was a clean hit, and the NFL took no action against Tatum. However, the incident naturally affected Jack, and he became somewhat of a recluse, and it bothered him for the rest of his life. After the 1979 season, Tatum was traded to the Houston Oilers, where he played one season in 1980 before retiring with 37 career interceptions. 
He left a legacy of hard hits that could fill up many highlight reels and in the process earned a spot among the greatest to ever wear a Raiders uniform. Upon his retirement from football, following championships on every level of competition, Jack first worked for the Raiders organization before becoming a land developer and then went into the real estate business and was part owner of a restaurant in California. He got married, had three children, and wrote three best-selling books. They Call Me Assassin in 1980, They Still Call Me Assassin in 1989, and Final Confessions of NFL Assassin Jack Tatum in 1996. In Raider Nation, all three are amazing and well worth being in any Raider fan's collection. Health problems caused by diabetes forced Jack to have all five toes on his left foot amputated in 2003 following a staph infection. He eventually lost his leg below the knee due to his illness. And then he lost his right leg due to an arterial blockage. He used a prosthetic limb after that and worked so hard increasing awareness of diabetes. While awaiting a kidney transplant, Jack Tatum died in Oakland on July 27, 2010 after suffering a heart attack at age 61. I, for one, always like to believe that when the sound of thunder is being heard from the heavens, it might not be an act of bad weather, but the result of a hard tackle from Jack Tatum, somewhere in a football league beyond this world. Before closing out this episode of Silver and Black Flashback, I want to offer my condolences to the family of Ray Guy, the greatest punter in history and one of ours for 14 seasons from 1973 through 1986, who the Raider family lost this past November 3rd. Please look for an upcoming episode of Flashback to pay tribute to this three-time Super Bowl champion and Hall of Fame member. And with that, I will close out our time together like I always do with the words I embrace every day. So until the next time we get back together once again, here it comes, and say it with me, everyone. Love you, Raider Nation! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.